don't give it like a the podcast platform of the Phenomenalist by Leopold Lambert. Today, initiatives for the city, architectural activism in Lebanon with Lynn Jabri. Hello everyone, today my guest is uh, Lynn Jabri, who is an architect and a, and a urbanist in, uh, in Saida in Lebanon. Uh, and uh, today we are going to talk about uh, two different projects that uh, uh, Lynn has been uh, working on and is currently working on, uh, both in uh, Lebanon. Uh, hello Lynn. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me and maybe the, the listener should be aware that uh, you had the immense patience to to show me around and explain uh, everything that we're going to talk about uh today for for a few hours now so i really appreciate it thank you um so we will talk mostly about uh, about the situation of uh, of saida uh, where we are so the third the third biggest city in uh, in lebanon uh, but maybe before we do so uh, and to take things in uh, in the chronological order Uh, could we talk a little bit about your work in um, in the Palestinian refugee camp of uh, Nahal Bahad, which is in uh, even more north than Tripoli in in Lebanon, and that in 2007 was uh, completely destroyed by the by the Lebanese army, um, and that's a work you've been doing uh, with uh, Ismail Hassan. Uh, who I think was was leading this project uh, of. Uh, of uh, thinking around the reconstruction of the camp uh, along with uh, Yunvra. Mm -hmm. um, could you maybe tell us a little bit um, what your work has been about and what was the, what was the challenges of this uh, reconstruction, this, this paradoxical reconstruction? Mm -hmm. I think the, the article you showed me by Ismail uh, was calling it an oxymoron, the, mm -hmm. the reconstruction of a Palestinian refugee camp and the, the right to return within the, the right uh, within the weight of the right mm -hmm. to return all those uh, compli co complex uh, aspects of, uh, of this project mm -hmm. yeah um, well I arrived to Nahr al-Barid it was uh, everything was already set there was uh, a grassroots organization that was already established uh, that was meant to work uh, That was uh, that was collaborating with UNRWA that could establish a collaboration with UNRWA uh, in order to reconstruct the camp. So basically, the reconstruction committee, which is the grassroots organization, was a partner. Wherever UNRWA would go to to uh, to uh, make to, to meetings with the government with the officials uh, to to think how the camp would be uh, reconstructed, there was. Uh, this uh, grassroots uh, organization that would come along. Um, that was established then. And I witnessed that era, but mainly the era where things were starting to fall apart, basically. Um, I was working uh, within the design unit uh, in Anurwa, design and planning unit, 
And the funny thing is that I was working for, uh, I was, um, they were, the, the, the grassroots uh, organizing, the reconstruction committee was borrowing me from UNRWA to work on things that are outside the mandate of UNRWA. Because uh, the camp is really, uh, has a certain border since 1948. So this is the established border that falls with, under the mandate of UNRWA, which is the, yeah, the UN agency responsible of uh, the Palestinian refugees. And outside this border, even if the camp has expanded beyond these borders, it is not responsible of any reconstruction or... So it was really the the reconstruction committee that was uh, pushing for reconstruction in these areas and uh, working, uh, trying to think of what to do about these areas because especially the camp falls within an area that is zoned as a agriculture area. So everything that has expanded beyond the camp is illegal somehow uh, according to the law. So there was all all this issue of what to do. The camp has been expropriated. I don't know if you're not aware of it. So the lands that fall within the border of uh, of the current, the old mm-hmm. camp. The 1948 uh, yeah, borders. Yeah. Has been expropriated and they did a master plan. So it's completely legal now. But it wasn't before. But everything that falls outside of it, even ownership, because after there's all this issue of ownership that you cannot, as a Palestinian, own a land. Mm-hmm. And even people, since 2001, there is a law that was uh, that came out where you're not allowed to register your land as a Palestinian. Um, so they were owning all these lands uh, informally. But even mm-hmm. before that, because they made it very complicated for Palestinians to own land in Lebanon, they used to just register it uh, informally between them and the original owner. So one of the things we were working on was an informal uh, registry of all these uh, properties that were outside the camp, which is a big uh, chunk of the population, right? It's uh, yeah, I can't show it on the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, but maybe we can we can describe it and uh, yeah, and maybe to to orient a little bit. Uh, th- you were telling me earlier about uh, the. the the particular problem of this inventory and how there there was the uh, the split or, yeah no but between the administrative uh, vision of things and the more uh, local vision of uh, yeah yeah so i'm going to come back to this mm. yeah so but just to to finish what i oh, was yeah, working sorry. on so i was working on the border between the the old camp and the and the the expansion of the camp mm-hmm. so that was completely destroyed as well the, the actual border so trying to negotiate the vision, the, the the new master plan, with the actual things on the ground. Mm-hmm. And things didn't match completely. So you had uh, roads that shifted a bit, mm. uh, things that... Uh, so I was trying to negotiate with people a way to... Uh, which is much harder because you don't have the mandate of the mm-hmm. UNRWA. So you, the UNRWA is not the last say. They don't have the... They don't have the last say. They actually didn't want to intervene anyway in that part of uh, of the camp. Um, they didn't. They don't have even the funding to finish the camp now. So they didn't want to think of more headache uh, outside the camp. Mm-hmm. So it was a big challenge. Uh, you had to bring all the owners one by one, even in a whole building. You had to bring all the owners together, uh, try to negotiate something that was 
uh, acceptable by everyone, uh, a new a sort of master plan, bring, bring everyone to sign it. Mm. So it's an informal master plan kind of uh, that is suited that with the old camp as well, with the, what they were doing, the design that was being... Uh, so this, is, this was a bit my work. And, um, and so you were saying, so basically uh, just to go back to the, the second point you were you raised, which is uh, negotiating uh, what the officials were planning for Nahnul Barid and trying to Im- to convince them of uh, of an alternative way of th- of doing things, or not an alternative, but what the people wanted to push for what the people wanted, and maybe a podcast with Smile would be mm. interesting in that sense. Um, so they. Of course, they had in mind uh, grid-like, uh, repetitive uh, kind of uh, plan for Nahr al-Barid. Uh, a very technocratic vision. Somehow. Yeah. And uh, pushing the, 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 the guidelines of, uh, of the people uh, was interesting because um, it went... It was... Um, so the, the, the what pushed the, the guidelines of the people was the the partnership that was done between the the reconstruction committee and UNRWA. So basically, UNRWA could not move without, and it had to reconstruct. So UNRWA was given the the job of reconstructing the camp, mm-hmm. but it couldn't reconstruct because it had a partner who was nagging and saying, "No, we have to reconstruct. We are partners, and we reconstruct according to the guidelines." put by the people mm-hmm. and so and the reason why the, the a partnership happened between UNRWA and uh, and uh, the reconstruction committee was due to this map to this precious map that was uh, done during the war mm-hmm. which is the location of everyone and who lives where and the actual uh, uh, how the houses are from the inside, like the the, the plan. that was made very empirically, right? Like very one one like verb verbally and empirically, one person after another. Yeah, yeah, no, so yeah, so you would sit uh, a group of neighbors would sit together and they would negotiate sort of what mm. is the plan of the block, who lives where, how many rooms each one has, how the shape of the block is. So this is how the map was drawn, and um, and so the map was used as a tool to to create a partnership between. Uh, and of course, in Onora, you had people who were very happy that was that this was happening because there were people who believe in participation, who believe in in. Uh, so they were pushing as well towards a partnership with these, with this group of uh, uh, activists and. The grassroots around around them, like all the, the people who were helping and mobilized, and who put actually the guidelines, who, who decided how their camp on would look like or how, mm. how they wanted it to be. And um, it's interesting because maybe it's a way to jump to Saida. Sure. Uh, it's interesting to think about. Uh, how the guidelines were put in Nahr al-Barid and the same idea of guidelines was used in uh, Saida to try to uh, 
to to push for a different kind of uh, planning for a part of the city that is uh, um, that uh, is supposed to be uh, land pooled and resubdivided, right? So maybe we should introduce the the, the situation in Saida, mm. uh, and I'm, I'm gonna let you do it, but <laughs> because uh, I I I got to see it on the today <laughs> when you've been working on it for many years now, but um, so so we're talking about this uh, as as I was saying the third the third biggest city of the of the of Lebanon, but which is which is not ex- extremely big. It's you have an access to the sea and access to the mountain and in between some valleys of agriculture mm. and uh, and there are a lot of uh, development uh, plans and there's been in the past mm. um, done in very with very little consideration for um, for uh, the place if we can if we can say like that and 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 uh, and uh, Maybe people would depend on the agriculture, and the way things have been done are very uh, are done with uh, very little. Uh, 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 I don't know intelligence, and but more for more for uh, profits. So could you could you could you could you maybe introduce us a little bit in a few minutes? Uh, uh, what are what is at stake basically in this uh, in this uh, struggles that you you and mm-hmm. maybe I should say uh, you your You're one of the co-founders of the Lille Madina Initiative, which is a uh, which is composed, uh, if I understood well, of six uh, permanent people and a, a bunch of uh, people who help you in uh, in those struggles. Mm. Um, yeah, could you could you maybe tell us a bit about all that? Yes, as an um, introduction. Yes, so so we in our. Uh, understanding of of uh, of what uh, or on uh, our so we came let's let's put it like that we came to Saida right after uh, after Nahar Barad uh, with Smain and uh, we thought that let's try to think about in the context where we're living how a city could be become better or how Um, because there is very little consideration to to the actual place, as you say, when things are being um, constructed mm-hmm. inside of, inside and in Lebanon in general. There is uh, absolutely no consideration of what the actual the the, the particularities of the place. Uh, Maybe we should define place. I I, I was I was thinking of the it when saying it, but like the, the, the various layers of yeah, the geog- of things that happened yeah. there, the the, the, the history, the geography, the, the geologies, the, or yeah. all those all those particular aspects that makes a place unique and that right now seems to be uh, uniformized into uh, uh, development uh, projects, right? Exactly. So, and even. Not only when they're planned, but even when they're because sometimes it's just a, a, a development project that is uh, put together in a very uh, yeah in the aim of profit only, like uh, doesn't have. Uh, but um, but then we started thinking that if we start 
putting these layers out there and trying to, to look for these layers to start with as, as a first step and putting it on the table, then maybe we start uh, negotiating that, look, there are very... Because inside that, there is there is this obsession about the old city only. Like, okay, it's a very beautiful Medina, mm. like a beautiful old city. But there are much more to the city than the than the old city, right? Mm-hmm. There's uh, and you you started the the, the thesis uh, you've wrote about. And this it. is why I started my thesis about. Uh, so I st- one way, but the first step was towards discovering these layers of the city mm-hmm. and uh, understanding the city better, was and and creating, of course, all this uh, knowledge, right? Because knowledge is, uh, is power. And creating all this knowledge in order to start uh, putting it out there and starting to... So the first step was my thesis. Mm -hmm. So I used the time given by a thesis to bring out all... And and as well, I used the thesis as well as a tool to to meet people. I was new in Saida, right? I'm not a a Saida person Mm -hmm. at all. I'm... I didn't. It was. It's my first time. It was my first years. My first two years uh, around Saida, let's say. So it was a, a tool to, to to meet people, to network, to to, to people who were who, who could be interested in these. Uh, and later on, the thesis, the material that came out of the thesis, was used to create a presentation that was uh, uh, given to. Uh, several times to a series of young people who could be mobilized to work on issues inside them. Mm. And this is how Lil Medina Initiative came together. Right? So it's six core people that are meeting all the time, and uh, but as well uh, much more people around them that are willing to fund, to help, that are supporting the idea and... Uh, um, and so the first project that we worked on that was that actually came out because they announced that they wanted that the municipality wanted uh, rumors came out that they wanted to um, subdivide or land pool and resubdivide um, like twenty percent of the city. What mm-hmm. could be the twenty percent not of the city but of municipal of municipal side of. So maybe we should explain this this process of land pooling because it seems to be the very first instrument of of this development uh, in inside because yeah. of the very particular shape of the so, of the so agricultural lots, right? Exactly. So basically, subdivision is always a tool used, right? When you have a land, when you want to develop it into buildings, you have a huge land, you subdivide it, and then you sell it into pieces where, or you build it. Um, but land pooling would mean creating a tabula rasa and then resubdividing. So it could be a very dangerous tool, right? It can be a very a, a good tool that you can use for good things, but as well it could be a, a dangerous tool. And it has been already used inside, like for another twenty percent of the city back in the 80s and it really erased the whole 
area and it really treated it as a tabula rasa. So um, people, when you talk to them from that part of the of the of the city, they feel a bit disoriented. Like they were disoriented at the time, and and now they're they're trying to. So it's a, so we're talking about agricultural strip, huh, to put uh, to put it clearly. Mm-hmm. So it was an agricultural area. That with, tries to uh, maximize uh, the access to ir- irrigation, basically. Right? Exactly. So it was mm. uh, the the plots uh, are inherent. So when when they're subdivided, they're subdivided in a way where there are very long strips that uh, east west strips that are trying to benefit the the maximum from gravity and from irrigation and access to water. And so sometimes you could have a piece of land that is. Uh, even 10 meters wide and 200 meters uh, long, like something that is completely uh, crazy that you cannot build on. So the idea was you bring all these lands together and you resubdivide them into squares, exact squares that are perfect for construction. And and since and the crazy. Uh, and the crazy thing is that the way the tool is used is that it creates the first thing it draws on the map is the roads, right? So you, mm. so you wide roads, uh, fifteen twenty meters uh, roads. So it 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 thinks uh, with the logic of the car. So this is the main idea of it. So there is no way that it can create interesting uh, spaces for a pedestrian uh, person or for uh, for public for for kids to play or for so um, because it's the easy way, easiest way to use it huh? the tool so you create the roads and then you know approximately how much area you have and then you start uh, cutting the block and square shapes and so what we tried to do is um, in the new area that uh, is supposed to uh, is to map all the intricacies as we call them of the of the area like all the richness of the area where are the canals where are the water canals what is the logic of the area Uh, where are the old buildings Uh, where are without really saying which are important buildings which are mm-hmm. not but just try to, to start the debate where are the old trees because you have trees that could, could date back like olive trees that could date back to the Roman era, era even before like uh, they used to place them in a way, in a way to, deli- to delimit the, the land to know them so your mm-hmm. land is from the olive tree to the olive tree mm-hmm. um, and you had uh, you had archaeology, so it's an area where, since it's 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 uh, it's the border where the water the canal is, right? Uh, it's where you had all the necropolises of uh, of the different uh, stages in history of mm-hmm. all the different civilizations. So some of that some of it has has been uncovered and. Uh, during the um, during the Ottoman era, and it was used to start uh, the Istanbul Museum, for example. 
uh, some of it's in France, mm. even. <laughs> in Paris. Of course. <laughs> and uh, but some, but most of it probably there is much more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Than but even the canal you were saying is like, like about two million, two millennia old or something like that. Not yeah, two millennia is uh, no. It's from the they say it's they they suspect that it's. Uh, older than the Roman era, mm-hmm. but they don't know how old it is. It has been, and this is the thing: is that there are no studies on this area. You don't know. Like you have all this archaeology, you have all this. The canal in, in itself is an archaeological element, mm-hmm. but people construct on it and destroy it, and there are no laws to, laws to preserve it, right? So although it it, it is the, the 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 main water. Uh, supply supply of uh, it used to be the main water supply until the old city so it used to irrigate the whole northern part of the city and the old um, city and so water water seems to be really one of the fundamental aspect of uh, of your study right because I mean we've been talking about it for a few hours now and yeah. ev- everything seems to always relate to it as far as property is concerned as far as <coughs> Sorry, yeah. the land shape is concerned as far as um, the archaeology is concerned, as far as, far as the ec- ecosystem are concerned, and also the, the 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 purity of the water, yeah. the degree of toxicity, and the degree of of reduction of water, because apparently some water has been uh, uh, appropriated uh, in a yeah. more or less ambiguously legal yeah. manner. Yeah. Well, I I don't know how much. It, sometimes I wonder if it's because it's, <coughs> uh, it's the reality of things. Like this, it's because it's an agricultural uh, area and context, and because of the geography of the area, because it's hills and uh, finger-like hills that have water in between them. Or it's because I have an obsession with water. Mm. <laughs> I, I think I think your obsession is very rational and makes sense. So. Yeah. I think it's a it's a bit of both. Probably, mm. if it was someone else, um, you would have more concentration on other things. Mm. Maybe social aspects of the city. Maybe. Yeah. Cool. So we try to map all these things. We try to map the social aspects and everything, but somehow water comes uh, most presently because of my uh, um, interest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and water that I think is is very important. Uh, Could you maybe tell us how also uh, uh, it applies to the law of properties? Because uh, we talked about that about Daria uh, in the last conversation, and this um, this old French legislation that that defines what could be a public domain or or what what I mean, depending on the water. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, water. We have an old law in Lebanon, which is that says that public domain, uh, all all that falls uh, under um, the so the area that falls under the worst. So wherever the worst wave reaches. So this is for for uh, for the beaches, right? Mm-hmm for the coast, wherever the worst um, wave arrives in winter, this is all considered public domain. And when we say public domain, meaning no one can construct on it, not even the government, right? 
And it's the same for the rivers. So wherever the river reaches on the worst day of winter, this is what is considered as public domain. But we were surprised not long a time ago that there is a law that came out maybe in 2004 that uh, changed that law in uh, for the rivers, saying that, no, you have to set back only 10 meters from the water level, the normal water level, which is becoming less and less, of mm. course, right? Because... Uh, in some parts you're using, you're creating dams, you're creating... So the flow of the water is not necessarily always the same. Mm. So the question arises, what do you do with the land that was public domain before? And and it's funny because, I mean, yes, of course, it needs a little bit more uh, in de- looking in depth into the, the different cases because... Um, we didn't do proper a proper investigation on these things, but we have a small feeling that uh, it has been appropriated by the landowners, the big, big landowners who created that law in 2004, <laughs> and they abused mm-hmm. it later on. Where, I mean, they abused the law to benefit uh, from the land. Because mm-hmm. that that maybe um, tackles the 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 problem of of. Uh, very uh, very blurry lines between uh, Lebanese politics and and, uh, yeah, and capitalist sure. families, right? Definitely. Mm. So this is the biggest problem. So you have uh, people who are putting laws that are like everywhere in the world, I guess, right? Who are putting the laws, and at the same time, they are the people who are uh, benefiting from it, from it, and making mm. the money, right? They're the landowners. They are. In Lebanon, the biggest uh, uh, economic, uh, uh, how do you say it, the, the, the biggest uh, economy right now, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's real estate. Mm-hmm. It, it seems Probably, prob- right? prob- probable. So, so it's ironic. Right? Mm. You have, uh, so these same people, uh, in the case of the land pooling in Saida, the current land pooling are owning big chunks of the area and they're the ones who are proposing or are creating the land pooling uh, project mm-hmm. right so it's, and it's happening everywhere okay. maybe as a last uh, part of our conversation could could we talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, specifically about your action uh, with the uh, Lil Medina initiative? Mm-hmm. Um, what, how are you organized, and what, uh, what, what are you, um, what are the means that you're giving yourself to to act in the making of the city? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let me uh, maybe I should uh, continue what we did, and, and then we come up from there with what kind of actions we did sure absolutely so we started first by mapping and uh, we used um, so we used uh, the opportunity that we had from okay first my thesis second uh, students who came and helped us um, uh, us going every weekend and trying to map everything created these maps 
And as well, before creating these maps, we created a series. This is where the guidelines come. Huh? We created, uh, we we wrote down a series of guidelines that are very very general guidelines that could apply anywhere. Right? They're not specific to this area, but they're guidelines. They're saying we want. Uh, uh, an area that is not designed uh, to be uh, only for cars, but an area that is designed for pedestrians. We want uh, public spaces. We want uh, um, to protect the rivers. We want to like a series of guidelines mm. that. Uh, and then we we uh, distributed all these guidelines on all uh, the officials of the city. Um, from municipality to uh, civil society to uh, uh, and we asked them to if they would um, endorse them right mm-hmm. and, uh, we, nobody really endorsed it uh, like signing the paper and saying um, but at the end it created a sort of uh, debate in the city so people started thinking, okay, but who are these people, Lil Medina? Who, what mm-hmm. are they trying to do? And so we went to the mayor and we sat with them and we said, well, um, we want to help you. We are offering our help. We're gonna do. A, 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 we're gonna make a research of uh, for the area. We're gonna we're gonna really map it, and give you all these layers so you can work with them and uh, and use them for your project. And we did it. We we mapped all the area. We created all these maps of the different layers that are important and are all of all the the intricacies of this of the place. And um, and then we started sending them and giving them to uh, and we could find who who is as well the architect, not the architect, it's not an architect, it's an, uh, an urban planner, originally a civil engineer. So, And he's the same person who designed the old land pooling area. Mm-hmm. So he's called back to do the second land pooling. And so we sit with him and we try to convince him, but they were very hard to convince at the beginning. But then, because we talked too much about it, and because there was, but as well, there was this uh, approach of um, the deputies of the city who are as well involved in the the deputy. One of them is involved in this project. Um, she was always talking about how she wanted to create a project that is green, that is. Uh, so we're like, okay, you want a project that is green, then you have to use these uh, layers. So the good thing now is that um, another person has been involved in the project. I think it's very positive uh, that he's the one. Uh, and they decided to create uh, not only a land pooling project, but as well uh, a master plan for the area, sort of. Uh, so, uh, so, so, in, um, so that gives you exactly... Uh, a detailed plan, if you want, of the of the area. So it gives you exactly how how to set back and when to set back, and uh, what are the very specific rules of each. Because uh, the land pooling doesn't give you rules, right? It just cuts the the land into pieces, mm-hmm. and then you have to apply the zoning 
to these pieces. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But here, no, you would apply more specific. Uh, and so you put the design for the area. So you start thinking, okay, I have a river here. Maybe I should think that I should set back 10 meters, should set back, uh, I don't know, if I set back the two buildings from one side, then I have a passage in the middle where I put a rule that nobody uh, puts a fence mm-hmm. so people can pass and things like that. So this person has been involved to do that. So now we have... And since this person has been involved, we thought this is very positive, this is great, this is amazing, this is what we want. If he's able to do it, then we can uh, we can uh, move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we still think that if, if he's not being listened to, we have to pressure, still mm-hmm. continue to try to pressure. Because uh, I think he will do a good job if he's uh, if people if the officials listen to him and they let him work the way he should. Um, so, mm. but uh, but for now we started uh, working on a different uh, on a project that is related, which is one of the valleys of Saida, um, moving out of the mis- municipality borders, so into the little municipalities that are just outside so since the city is spreading towards the the mountain uh, towards the, the the hills next to it um, it's building every everywhere and without any consideration of of the place as you say um, but but here it's not big uh, planning project but it's rather small developers who are uh, taking these uh, lands and subdividing them according, according to the zoning law, which is a disaster. It's creating a lot of problems. There's a main problem of lack of pu- proper public space. There's a lack of... Because, of course, a developer doesn't care to give its... Uh, you have There's a rule where you have to give uh, 25% to the as public. They use it all for roads mm. or... Even if they don't think of public space as a proper, uh, and the municipality does, does, doesn't think on a bigger scale. How 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 do I use these twenty five percent to create a proper public space for the whole neighborhood, not just this land? So, so our aim is to use to work on this value to think of uh, of how to organize these things. So we already talked with the mayors, and we're trying to see how to. The first step now is to uh, and to, to, to map it as we did before, mm-hmm. try to think of all the intricacies of this space and from there try to think of strategies to work. Maybe here it's not uh, only working with the officials and pushing, uh, pushing them to think uh, out of the box, but as well work with developers. I don't know, we'll mm-hmm. see how it will go from there. Going from municipality to municipality, I think that seems to be a, a reasonable way to go. So uh, good luck with uh, all that. And I mean, I think uh, as as specific as uh, Saida is, I think it, many of the issues can be found in many other municipalities of the in, in Mediterranean, especially, but even in general in the world. So I, I guess that's uh, that's how we connect the specificity of things with a. Uh, something a little bit more general. Mm. Thank you so much, Lynn, for Thank talking you. to me and taking me yes, around inside. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.